0: Well, today I want to speak to you about a totally different four-letter word for which there is also a cost, though I'm not sure we really ever think about it in that way. And that word is L-O-V-E, love. Now, if you are thinking a different word there, we'll talk after the service, we'll pray for you, we'll get you sanctified a little bit. But that word is love. Love is that costly Four letter word. Now, I know that might not make a whole lot of sense just yet because I don't think that we often think about love in that way. But if you'll follow along with me, we'll make sense of what I mean by that before we are through. Now, I also know you may be sitting there and you may be saying, Man, are we really going to have another sermon about love? Doesn't it seem like we talk about love a whole lot? And the answer is yes. And actually, Pastor Kevin just about a month ago spoke about love in a powerful way. We know Pastor Rick does a great job of intertwining it into so much of what he speaks about. And the reason for this is that there are certain topics that are just so important and so foundational that it is wise to revisit them frequently, especially when you're dealing with a topic like love that is so often twisted by the world and it's completely misunderstood even within people with the church. And so we need to recognize today that the enemy likes to twist things, and he likes to manipulate things, and he likes to just cast doubt and shadows on things. What we really need to recognize is that the enemy is not really creative in any sort of way. So we know the enemy has been cut off from the source of life he is cut off from the source of life he is a branch broken off from the vine he is withering and he's going to come to nothing we know that he has been cut off so what he does is he deceives he per, he perverts he distorts and so he takes truth and he looks to distort it he is a liar who lies but that can still be quite effective because a lie believed has the power to deceive And so when you believe that lie, you've given it the power to bring deception into your life. And I believe many people have been deceived with these lies, especially around this topic of love. And this is one of those topics that the enemy really desires to simply pervert and mess up because it's foundational to everything that we are and everything that we do. See, the only way that you can successfully build something is to have a solid and secure foundation. If you have a weak foundation, it will limit what you are able to build on top. And so that is why it's wise to return to topics like this that are so foundational because they ensure that we have that solid foundation on which God can build something great, on which God can build something really big. Now, the love of God is a massive topic. And honestly, I could probably preach six sermons diving deep into what we will look at today. But I just have this one week to get through this all. And so we are gonna condense it down. You are gonna get the concentrated version. And my prayer is that you get a lot of bang for your buck, so to speak, from the sermon this morning. Now, because the topic of love is so broad, what I wanna do is look at it with a certain lens. And we're gonna look at it with a lens of the necessity of walking in love for reaching our world for Christ. The necessity of walking in love for reaching our world for Christ. Now, when I say our world, I don't want you to start thinking, well, how does this one small church or how do I, as an individual, reach the entire world? What I'm talking about today is reaching our world. It's the world in which we have been placed. We're talking about Littlestown and the surrounding communities. We're talking about our workplaces. We're talking about our schools, our neighborhoods. We are called to start reaching the world by reaching our world. And so let's break it down and look at love in the context of reaching our piece of the world. And what we are going to do today is we are going to build layer upon layer We're going to set a foundation, and then we're going to start building layer upon layer of what love is, what it looks like in that context, just like layers of a cake, where we're going to layer them one on top of another to make a whole. And so I want to start with the one that I think may be the most important to grasp. There is a cost to love. Love can be quite costly. And if we are going to truly walk in love, we may need to pay a price. And there are three verses I want to look at to drive this point home. We're going to start in 1 John 3.16. Oh, yeah, we got him up there. Awesome. So 1 John 3.16, it says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Then on went to John 3.16. Do we know this one? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then Romans 5, 8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So all three of these verses say something similar in just slightly different ways. And the central truth of them all is that God loves humanity. He loves his creation. And because he loves us, Jesus came and he died for us. In other words, Jesus and the Father loved us so much that Jesus was willing to pay an incredibly high cost his very life. The price of mankind's redemption was the life of Jesus, and he was willing to pay that price. As such, don't ever let anyone tell you that your life has no value because God the Father looked at your life and he valued it at the very price of his son. Jesus looked at our lives. And he said, They are worth me laying down my life. It's a high cost, but I'm willing to pay it. Love may be the costliest thing, and yet what we see in Christ is that it is worth any price that must be paid. It's worth any price that must be paid. Do we think about love in this way? And this is where the world's distortion can cause so many issues because the world paints this picture of love, that love is nothing more than these goosebumps and these good feelings and these emotional highs, and that if you're in a relationship or a marriage and if times get hard or the goosebumps go away, then you must not be in love anymore. Well, if that is your definition of love, I propose you are never in love to begin with. You may have been other things. You may have been in lust. You may have had some sort of codependency. It's something, but it certainly was not love. The verses we read show us that love may actually be pretty tough. Love may be a very difficult thing. Love may actually have a high cost to it. It may not feel very good, but if it's real and if it's working the way that God desires, then we know it is a price worth paying. Now, before I go too far here, right, and before I move on, let me be really extra safe here and caveat that, that I am not speaking about an abusive relationship and saying that love in an abusive relationship means that that person needs to stay there and pay that price, right? If there is an abusive relationship, love actually means getting space from that person until they get the help that they need and they're willing to change, right? So don't misunderstand me this morning. But when it comes to impacting our world for Christ, there may be a cost that we have to pay. Now in the United States of America, I know this whole concept of paying a cost for the gospel can be a little bit foreign to us. Because I believe in the United States, we sometimes become so enamored with the blessing of God. And if we're not careful, we turn the gospel and we turn our salvation into some sort of path to easy living instead of seeing it as an entry into a lifetime of laying down our lives to glorify Jesus and impacting our world for him. Though we've idolized it in our country, comfort is not the goal of the gospel, transformation of people's lives and the world is. I promise God is much less concerned with our comfort then he is concerned with us living a life that impacts this world with the gospel message. We may need to give up our comfort sometimes. And I know comfort has been something that gets idolized so much. So this means that we may need, we may need to pay the cost of laying down our comfort, and we may need to pay a price to advance this gospel in our world. Are we willing to pay the price to bring the love of Christ to our world? I mean, these are questions we should ask. Can we sit back and just say, do we actually, truly love our world? See, Romans twelve nine. it says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Some translations say love must be sincere or genuine. Now, what's interesting, right, is that the only reason the Bible would tell us not to just pretend Or to tell us that our love must be genuine is if it would be possible for God's people to pretend or to just sort of say we love the world but not really be genuine about it. There's warnings there for us. There's things that are there so that we can take a mirror and reflect and make sure. When we look at the people of the world, do we love them? Now, of course, I know the answer is yes, Of course we love the world, right? Jesus says to love the world. The Bible says we have to love the world. So yes, of course we love the world. So let me challenge us a little bit by rephrasing that question. I think this is a better question to ask than do you love the world. It's when you look at the lost people of this world, what price are you willing to pay to reach them? It's not so much just us saying, yeah, I love people in this world. The question really is what price are we willing to pay to reach them? What are we willing to do to encounter them? If our love is genuine, then we must be willing to lay down our lives for them. If our love is genuine, it requires us laying down our lives for them because God defined what love truly is. And that was Christ laying down his life for us. Now we know many believers, they've laid down their lives as martyrs for the faith. But this is also about learning to lay down our lives as in dying to ourselves each and every day so that we can focus on others. I'm not just saying you need to be willing to die for Christ, which I certainly don't downplay, but dying for Christ is but one moment in a lifetime Whereas laying down our lives is a lifetime of moments. And we're called to lay down our lives each and every day to reach our world for Christ. Bethel, what price are we willing to pay as individuals and as a church to see our community impacted with the kingdom? And I'm not saying this is an easy thing. It can be hard. The Bible talks about how wickedness and iniquity and all of those things can cause love to grow cold. And so this is only possible when we encounter and when we receive the love of Christ, when we are changed to become the very love of Christ, and when we stay close in his presence, allowing him to continually strengthen the fire of love in our hearts. This is an area where head knowledge will not suffice. Head knowledge will not cut it. I'm talking about supernatural experiences in the very presence of God and in the presence of the Holy Spirit where we allow him to transform us. I fear in the Western world we put too much emphasis and too much value on simply knowing a bunch of facts. When I went to college, I took computer programming classes from professors who never worked in the real world as programmers. They had no practical experience. They just had a lot of head knowledge. Now, don't misunderstand me. Head knowledge is important. There are things we need to know. We should be passionately reading the Word of God. I would encourage you to attend discipleship classes on Wednesday night. I would encourage you to get hooked into a small group so that we can fill our minds with truth. But there are also things in our Christian walk that go beyond the ability for these little brains in our head to even comprehend. If we limit the eternal God of the universe who spoke all of this into creation to only what we can comprehend in our minds, then we will level off far below what God intends for us. He's got greater things for us than what we can even grasp in these minds that he has given to us. Greater things than we can even imagine. See, Paul talks about this in Ephesians 3.19, this encountering God's love. He says, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. To know, what Paul is talking about here, to know here is to experience and encounter And he's telling us that God's love is too great to fully grasp with your minds. And it's something that you just need to experience. It's like trying to explain to somebody what riding on a roller coaster is like that's never ridden a roller coaster. You can try to explain it to them all you want. But until they actually get on that roller coaster and encounter it and experience it, they have no real clue. And Paul is saying you can know facts about God's love, you can know verses about his love, but God wants to show up and encounter you and wash you in that love and just drench you in that love so that he can change you. And Paul says that that's a necessary experience if you want to live a life filled with what the Bible calls the fullness of God. The fullness of God comes after the encounter of God's love because I believe there's things that he can't do in our lives and things he can't do in the church until we have encountered that love because what we need to do needs to be motivated by love and nothing else. We must be people who encounter God and receive that love so that we are overflowing with it, so that it overflows out of our lives. You cannot give away what you don't possess. See, it doesn't help you. I could tell you this morning, hey, I'm gonna give you a billion dollars. You shouldn't get too excited because I certainly don't have a billion dollars to give to you. You can only give away what you have. And so we must be filled with the love of Christ through our encounters and experience with him so that we have something to give away to others. And then we must be willing to pay a price because if we are going to reach our world we may have to pay. It may be the cost of our reputation. It may be the cost of comfort. It may be the cost of certain opportunities or money, whatever it may be. Right? We're not sugarcoating anything this morning. There may be a cost to show the world the love of Christ, but it's worth any price because when we walk in love, it lets us see below the surface. So there's the second layer of the cake. So there may be a cost to love, but when we walk in love, it lets us see below the surface. If we don't walk in love, it will be impossible to see below the surface correctly. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, here's what I mean. People of this world are caught up in so many things. Many people in this world sin openly and unapologetically Many people mock and curse what we believe. Many people are filled with hate for everything that we believe. And it is only love that allows your eyes to see past the surface, to see inside of them, to know that regardless of where they are, their life is valuable and it's worth God's love. The world is in desperate need for us to be a purposely prophetic people And the only way we can do that successfully is through the love of Christ. Love is what allows us to see the statue in the stone. Michelangelo, perhaps history's greatest sculptor, was once asked how he created these amazing sculptures. And his response was this, I saw the angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free. If we are walking in the love of Christ, then our eyes can be opened to see the statue in the stone in people's lives. Regardless of their current state, regardless of their current sin, regardless of their current hate or disdain for you and for me, we can see them in love and we can see past the surface inside to see the statue of what God has created them to be even if they are so far away and to everyone else, they just look like this one big block of stone. And in love, we begin to chisel away. In love, we begin to chisel away, which isn't an easy process, but we see the angel in the stone and we are willing to pay the price to help set it free. And it may be a long process, It may not seem like you're making any difference, but if you are walking in the love of Christ, you can be empowered to continue without faltering because we also know that love need not be reciprocal. Love need not be reciprocal. Simply put, true love is not given in order to receive. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think any one of us would love to be in a situation where we go and we pour forth, pour forth our hearts, letting somebody know how much we love them to have them reply, That's great. Thanks. I don't think any of us want to be in that situation. I think we would all prefer to receive love back when we give love. But the key we understand is that the love isn't given in order to receive, love is simply given. Love is simply given. And this is an area where love in our world is so distorted because many people in our world love in order to be loved. They give something. They give what they believe is love in order to receive something to try and fill a need in their life. And it's why so many relationships are so dysfunctional. Because you have two people who are together, not loving each other unconditionally, but giving something in order to try and receive something back to fill a need in their lives. It's this thing of, I'm going to tell you I love you because I desperately need someone to love me. But love is selfless. Love is selfless. Meaning, it's without any focus on self. In other words, love is given for the benefit of the one receiving the love, not necessarily the one giving it. And while that seems blatantly obvious, we have a world full of people who don't actually comprehend what love is. So, not too long ago, I read a story online, and there was a gentleman that posted on this board, and he was supposedly really brave. And he admitted that he loved one of his children more than the other one. And he justified it that the one child was simply older, and that child related to him better, and they were able to do things together. Now I'm sitting there thinking, this guy is going to get blasted. But as I scrolled down, because it's always fun to look at people's comments, I scrolled down to the comment section, I was blown away by people saying, you know what, I feel the exact same way. I was blown away by people saying, oh, this father was so brave to come out and say what many of us are already thinking. And the only thing I could think was not how brave this guy was, but how utterly confused. He and every person who commented supporting him showed that they had no concept whatsoever of what true love is. Because he supposedly loved one child more because of how that child made him feel about what that child did for him, that's not love because that is self-focused and love is completely selfless. Now, I have four kids and I know I relate to them in different ways because God has made them different and they're obviously at different stages of life. And yet I love them all perfectly equal because my love is given to them for them, not because of anything they do for me or how they make me feel. If our needs and our feelings come into the equation, then we've moved away from love into something else entirely. And I say all of that to say this, we must love the world for the world, not because we expect to receive anything back. Because the truth of the matter is the world may never love us back. Many people in this world may never love us back, regardless of what you do. And if we have a twisted definition of what love is, it could become easy to say, well, if you're not going to love us, then we're not even going to spend the time. If our definition of what love is is twisted, it will be easy to say, if you don't want our love, then we'll just take it elsewhere. But if we have truly encountered and are walking in God's love, then I believe we can continue to love them for who God created them to be. We can love them selflessly. Recognizing that we may never receive that same love back, but we continue to love without expecting anything, knowing that giving love is necessary because God's love will drive us to action. In the midst of 2 Corinthians 5, Paul describes us as God's ambassadors. An ambassador is an official representative. And Paul tells us that we are God's ambassadors working to reconcile the world back to him. And then in verse 14, he makes this statement, and he says, Christ's love compels us. Christ's love compels us. Now, the word he uses for compel has this really strong sense to it, almost to the point of controlling. Some translations actually translate it that way, and they say Christ's love controls us. Now, to understand this, it's not to be viewed as Christ reaching down and controlling us like we're some sort of robots. Rather, what it's saying is that we have been so impacted by his love, and we have been so transformed by his love working inside of us. We are so filled with that selfless love for others that we can't help but work to pass it on and work to bring it to them. It's an internal change revealing itself through our outward behavior towards others. It's not just lip service as we discussed a little bit ago, but it's something inside of us that looks at a broken world with love, and it doesn't allow us to sit on the sidelines, but it says, I need to step up and I need to do something. I would propose that if the love we say we have for the world doesn't compel us to action, then it's not really love because love will lead to action the verses we started with today. God's love for humanity meant he wouldn't just sit back and say, well, they really screwed up. Good luck, guys. No, his love for humanity drove him to take action on our behalf. And returning to the main theme of this, there may be a cost when we take that action, but if we have encountered Christ's love, there is something inside of us that will compel us And drive us ahead. And the last point I want to drive home is this. The type of love we have been discussing towards our world and others is the true path to a successful life. Because 1 Corinthians 13.8 tells us that love never fails. When we live our lives in that selfless, sacrificial love in the eyes of God, we will never fail. Now you say, how can that be? Because we probably all felt like we've fallen short in regards to reaching people for the kingdom. All of us have probably felt like what we have done for the kingdom hasn't made the impact that we've desired or hasn't been as effective as we hoped it would be. Well, the first way to answer that is you just don't know what God will do. The word says we spread the seed, we water the seed, and we trust God to bring the increase. See, before you ever see the plant sprout out of the earth, there is so much happening below the surface with that seed. So don't ever give up on those seeds that you have planted and those seeds that you have been watering because you don't know how close they are to sprouting out of the earth. It may just be one more time of watering. But there is something even bigger, I think, to grasp here about why love never fails. See, 1 John, multiple times, it declares that God is love. God is love. So love is not merely an attribute of who God is. Love is not simply something he does. It's within the very essence of his nature. It's within the very essence of his being. It's who he is. And if that is true, the fact of the matter is that we may never be more like Christ than when we simply love. If God is love, then we may never be more like Jesus than we, when we simply go forth and we love. We may never be more like our amazing Savior than we, when we are willing to simply love people in action indeed. When we are willing to lay down our lives for them, when we simply love them with no strings attached and no expectation of receiving anything back from them. And it may not always be easy, but honestly, it's the only way if we are going to make a difference in our world. So you can stand on a street corner with a big old sign and you can yell at people that they are going to hell. That is actually a really easy thing to do. Give me five bucks and a trip to Walmart and I can make a sign, go find a corner and stand and yell at people that they're on their way to hell, turn or burn, whatever it may be. Now, while that's really easy, It's completely ineffective. But what's not so easy is going out in love, getting your hands dirty, coming beside people, finding the lost, finding the hurting, finding the broken, finding the hateful, and then simply loving them like Jesus loves them. That is not easy, but as we saw in the life of Christ, it can be highly effective, There are people in really bad places, and they need to know that someone loves and cares for them. And if the worship team wants to come and get ready. I had a student in Allentown years ago when Sarah and I were the youth pastors up there. And she had been coming with a friend, and she had been attending the youth group for just a little while. And for a long time, she was really sort of standoffish. But I got no problem with that. I just kept trying to get to know her more and more, try to get her open up. And one year we took the students to youth convention, and one evening she asked if we could talk. And so we went down to the end of the hallway in the hotel, and this girl who was totally broken pulled up her sleeves and showed me hundreds of scars from where she had been cutting herself. And I don't know about you, but in those moments, what do you even say? What do you say to that amount of brokenness and that amount of hurt? And I know that in that moment, all I could muster to say is, I am so sorry. I want you to know that I love you, God loves you, and he has a plan for your life. And I prayed with her. And I'll tell you, it felt so inadequate. It felt like it just wasn't enough. But it seemed to help. And I know that as I laid in my bed later that night, trying to get some sleep, I began to pray for her, and the Lord put into my heart that this girl who never knew her father had never been once told in her life from any father figure that she was loved. And she just needed to know that somebody loved her. She needed to know that she was loved and that where she was wasn't where she needed to be. And this experience, it broke me. It broke me in a way that's hard to describe because I know I tell my kids probably an absurd amount of times every day that I love them. And as you get to know me, you may think I'm a weirdo, but I'm gonna tell you that I love you. First, because I really, really do. I love you. But second, I never want a chance that somebody can be going through life not hearing that they are loved. God is love. Jesus was love personified. And if we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, then we should be walking demonstrations of what that love is to the world. We should be a walking demonstration that people can see of what it means that God loves them. I will say it again. If God is love and he is, then we might never be more like him than when we simply love See, if you were to ask me, what do you want your life to be known for? That's a really big question, and yet I think I could answer it very simply. I want to be known as someone who loved others like Jesus does. I want to be known as someone who loved others like Jesus did. If I could only have two words on my tombstone someday, let it be this, he loved. He loved and it's far simpler than we sometimes make it. In Matthew 22, an expert in the law he asked Jesus, "What is the greatest commandment in the law?" And there's hundreds upon hundreds of commandments throughout the law, and yet Jesus says, "Love God with everything that you are, and then love others as you love yourself." You are loved we are loved there is a God who loves us and has paid a high price for us to know and experience that love and that love will forever change us one of the most important encounters in my life took place at a conference held here at Bethel it was a youth and young adult conference and Sarah and I we were the youth pastors in Allentown but we brought our group here and there was an evening where Dan Moeller spoke on God's love Now, I was saved. I was spirit-filled. I was leading a youth group. I loved people. I knew God loved me. Yet at the altar that evening, I encountered the love of the Father in a way that can only be described in the terms that Paul talked about in Ephesians, and it has marked me for life. And I remember leaving the room that day and everything was different. And there was this love and burning passion inside of me for God and for other people like I had never experienced before. That encounter and that experience is available to every single one of us. And I can tell you from that day, it really has not been hard to love even the worst. But it's also not meant to be a one-time encounter. God wants us all to experience that love that changes us time and time again. And I believe today at these altars, we are going to experience and encounter God's love. And it's gonna be available to us in a way that will transform us and transform this church forever. Because Jesus's love is far greater and it's more radical than what we could ever imagine. And if we encounter that love, we may, may just become a little bit radical ourselves. And we may just be willing to pay any price and any cost to see our world reach for him. Because I believe it's the Lord's desire to raise up a people who are laid down lovers willing to pay any price who count their lives as nothing compared to the exceeding greatness of what is being stored up for them in heaven. I believe the Lord's desire is to raise up a people who shake off the shackles of materialism, comfort, and safety for a life of meaning and purpose. I believe it's the Lord's desire to raise up a people who are willing to beat our bodies into submission to be effective for the people. For the kingdom, a people who declare that to live is Christ and to die is gain. I believe it's the Lord's desire to raise up a people who are as passionate for Jesus through the week as they are on Sunday mornings. I believe it's the Lord's desire to raise up a people who are willing to wait, lay down their lives for the very least of these. A people more motivated by the advancement of the kingdom than the size of a home or a banking account. A people whose high highest aim is to be like christ and to love the world as he loves the world a people who look at the world and they say you may reject me you may hate me you may persecute me you may speak negatively negatively of me but you will never stop me from loving you it's his desire to raise up that people a people who love unconditionally a people who will pay any price to see this world transformed for him. Bethel, we can be that people. We can be those people. Let's shift the paradigm for our church today. Love requires a paradigm shift. See, traditionally, it's become very inward focused in churches. It's very easy to get inside the four walls and be very inwardly focused. See, traditionally, the question has always been, how can we be the best church in the community? So we say, oh, we gotta have the best programs. We gotta have the best ministries. We gotta have the best lighting. We gotta have the best this and that. Now, don't get me wrong. We are called to excellence and we are called to offer God our best. And this church is blessed with an amazing worship team. We are blessed with amazing youth ministry and children's ministry, nursery, women's, men's. We are blessed with these incredible ministries. But if that is how we measure ourselves, we may impress ourselves and maybe we'll impress some other churches, but we aren't impressing a couple thousand people who don't even know what the inside of a church looks like. They will be engaged when we move from a desire to be the best church in the community to becoming the best church for our community. Love has got to drive us outside of these four walls. Love has to drive us to where we say we can't be satisfied to just have the best ministries. We only can be satisfied when we're making a difference in the community in which we have been placed, when we shift our focus from internal to external, when we pay the price to get out of our comfort zones and get into the community. And love's gotta be the motivator. If we're motivated by anything else, it will eventually falter because you can do the right things for the wrong reason. And I believe there's many churches that are doing the right things, but it's not motivated for the right reasons. And we wanna do the right things for the right reasons. And the Father's love transforming us is what we need to take that love to see a world transformed. And my message today is that it may be costly, but it's worth any price that we need to pay to see this world impacted for the kingdom and souls won for eternity. May we as Bethel Assembly of God be known as a church that loved, not just in thought, not just in words, but in action and in deed. May we be known as a church that was willing to pay any price to see our community impacted for Jesus. So here's how I'd like to close today. If you wanna go ahead and stand to your feet. you are here today and you've never received Jesus, you've never said yes to him, you've never started a relationship with him, this can be your day. Hallelujah. He's got plans and purposes for your life. He wants to know you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to take you and make you everything that he created you to be. And so if you are here today and you need to know Christ, Before you leave this room today, please come to this altar and find me, find one of the other pastors, a leader, find someone and let them know. If you are here today, you have any sickness in your body, any pain in your body, you have any sort of anxiety, depression or anything else going on, you don't need to leave here with that because Jesus already paid the price for it. And so before you leave, I would encourage you to come find somebody and have them pray for you, believing that God is gonna do an awesome work. But here's what I wanna do then in addition to that is I wanna ask God to release a fresh revelation of our, in our lives, a fresh revelation of his love in us as a church. We wanna ask him to fill us to overflowing so that we can love others in that same way. And so what I'd like to do right now is i just like to invite everybody. If you are here, I just wanna invite you to come forward to this altar. So go ahead, you can begin to come right now. You don't need to wait for anybody else. We are gonna believe that at these altars today, God is gonna pour out a fresh encounter and experience with his love and who he is that's gonna mark us as individuals and mark us as a church. hand sanitizer on the way out why don't you grab the hand of someone beside you i believe there's something powerful when we connect as a body i want everyone to just connect in this place if you're worried just don't touch your face before you leave all that good stuff hit that hand sanitizer but there is something powerful when we connect as a body May we be so burned with the love of God that we can no longer walk past that person in the supermarket that God highlights to us. May we be so burned with the love of God that this church will start looking outward and saying we can no longer sit on the sidelines, but we are going to do something in our day. Father God, we come to you this morning and we thank you that you are love that you have given us that love, that you have demonstrated that love, that you have clearly defined that love and that you will pour out that love into our hearts and into our minds, that we can experience something that's greater than what we can even comprehend or fathom in these brains that you have given to us. And so even right now, Father, I pray that you would just begin to pour out that love on every person standing around this altar. Father, for those that are watching at home right now, I pray that they would just begin to feel the warmth of your love poured down from heaven over them from the top of their heads down to the soles of their feet. I pray that they would encounter and experience your love in a way that will mark them for the rest of their lives. Father, I I pray that from this very day forward, this church would be changed. That we would walk in love in a way that we never have before. That we as individuals would go forth in love. That drives us to action. That drives us to lay down our lives. That we as a church body would be willing to lay down our lives and pay any cost to see Littlestown and the surrounding region impacted with the gospel of jesus christ and so father we say here we are burn us with your love this morning let us not leave here the same way that we came but transform us and change us and make us more like you and so right now father i pray that you will begin to pour out that love into our hearts pour out that love into our hearts change us father change us father Make us more like you. Make us more like you, Jesus, that we would pay any price. Lord Jesus, that we would be willing to slow down and stop for the least of these. That we would be willing to get our hands dirty, to go down and spend time with those that are hurting and broken. Lord, that we would be patient and loving and kind to those who spitefully hate us that we would show them love that changes their heart forever. And so, Father, we pray for Littlestown and the surrounding region. Father, we pray that in these days to come, that you would turn our eyes external and that you would raise up new ideas, new visions, new ministries, new things to go forth to impact this community with your love. We pray, Lord God, for opportunities and open doors. We pray for strategic alignment between what you desire for this community and where we are moving. And so align this church with your desires. Give us a prophetic insight, Lord Jesus, into what we should be doing in our day and in our time. I pray that you would begin to put dreams in people's hearts of this church that would just come forth, that would lead to things that bear fruit for the kingdom of God in this region. Burn us with your love this morning, Father. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.